Hey, JB here. For the Franks out there who have been with us for a while, thanks for checking out Season 1. Now, you might notice some changes in format, but otherwise, it's the same show you know and love. For new listeners, thank you so much for checking us out. These episodes mark the start of something very special, and we're glad you're here. While we have rebranded to Welcome to Game Corp in Season 2, don't worry, as everything you need to know will be revealed as you go. Thanks for listening, and welcome to Game Corp. Hey guys, Jake here. You might remember me from my work on House Shoes, The Silent Killer, and Head to Head, a video game podcast. Ha <laughs> ha, Simpsons joke. Just want to give you a heads up for today's episode. In this episode, we cover Doki Doki Literature Club, a rather infamous visual novel, and Amori, an Earthbound-like RPG with a twist. First off, spoiler alert. In order to talk about these games, we have to go into their story. Don't expect an entire plot synopsis, but for those interested in playing these games and hate any kind of spoiler, maybe check them out before listening. If you're in that camp, stop right here. Hit that stop button, live your life, and come back later when you're ready to take that adventure with us. Second, and this is already a bit of a spoiler, both games in today's showdown feature subjects like depression, suicide, obsession, and self-harm as core elements of story and gameplay. We do our best to approach them respectfully, but if you're sensitive to these types of subjects, maybe skip this one. Also, don't worry, the rest of the episode is business as usual. We tried our best not to make the entire episode a bummer. On that note, enjoy the show. Uh, hey, JB, why isn't your trophy blurb done? Oh, because I'm just going to wing it. The Franks love when I wing it. No, no, you always rely heavily on dick jokes when you do that. No more winging it. Just write it. Yeah, dude, I've had mine done for weeks now. You gotta get on that. Oh, well, la-dee-da. What do you want, a, a trophy? Yes, dude. Write your trophy. Fine. Quick question. How long should I be keeping the boss on hold? What? The boss is on hold? Why didn't you tell us? You looked busy. We've been literally staring at the ceiling. And somehow it still occupied your complete mental faculties. Pathetic. Anne, put him on the speaker. And then I'll sell their slacking organs to a Build-A-Bear. Oh, just one more minute and I'll do it. Just one more minute. Bus, 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 we're here. Oh, oh damn, always next time. Anyway, listen up, numbskulls. I've got a meeting to attend to back home, and I just found out we're missing two members from our Employee of the Month Committee. You guys will be replacing them. Okay, but why us? Isn't that like an HR thing? Duh, it's headed by HR, but it needs at least two partisan departments, and no other department can do it today. Well, neither can we. It's Thursday. We, we, we're going to be recording an episode today. Oh, oh is that so? Just been, how do I turn this thing into a video call? Yeah, yeah, I, I, I know it's a button. Which one? No, it's not that one. That's the, that's the camera. I, I need the video. No, I, I thought it takes uh, pictures or calls. Just push it, just push it. Oh, there we go. All right, you bite-sized booger blasters. I want you to look me in the eyes and say you're busy today. I dare you. I want to save the last stupid faces you'll ever make. Well, I mean, we're kind of... Uh, uh, yeah. <laughs> suppose we could budget a little more time? Yeah, that's what I thought, Bud Bunch. Does that mean I should clear staring at the ceiling from your schedules? Oh, oh, you guys are just prime employee of the month material. It's a shame you can't elect yourselves. 
What weeks? Shouldn't this take like a 10 minute meeting? Oh, oh, oh numbskulls, you have no idea. <laughs> yeah, help him or you're fired. Yeah, whatever. Welcome to the 20th episode of Head to Head, a video game podcast. Hello, am I interrupting? Literally the intro, Terry. We, we haven't even said our names yet. Yeah, what's up, Terry? Is this about the committee thing? Because uh, I, I sent you a meeting invite for this afternoon. Yes, well, time is art, and we don't have a single moment to lose. If you three are going to be on this committee, then I will accept nothing short of perfect harmonization of minds between us. For as you know, choosing employee of the month is the highest duty and honor an employee can be granted. Even more than employee of the month? Oh, yeah. Way more. Yo, I didn't even know GameCorp even had an employee of the month. Yeah, and aren't those things just popularity contests anyway? Oh, you poor, poor sods. It seems this will take nothing less than complete harmonization between us. To do that, you three will have to expose yourselves to me. Uh... Uncover your most private parts and put them on intimate display. <sighs> I am, of course, talking about a get-to-know-you exercise. Oh, okay, uh, you mean like two truths and a lie or something? Or we all take like a BuzzFeed quiz or something? No, you Philistines. BuzzFeed is the opposite of art. I'm talking about poetry. We will harmonize by speaking in the very voices of our souls. We will bleed our very essence into words and bongo drums. Great. Oh. There is much to do, much to do. You'll need to find some quills and ink and get started on your first drafts right away. I will return soon. Then we shall take turns penetrating into each other with words crafted from the deepest and most intimate crevices of our minds. Or you're fired. From the committee. I may just be an emotionless machine, but even I felt uncomfortable. Yep. Well, once again, welcome to the 20th episode of Head to Head, a video game podcast brought to you by GameCorp, the totally not evil video game media conglomerate. Upper management and their infinite wisdom has hand-chosen us, a couple of low-level employees with zero experience, to serve as your host in this head-to-head, no-holds-barred matchup between two games to see which will stand triumphant. I'm your host, Cowboy. I'm Jake, and I'm sick. <laughs> and I'm JB, a.k.a. Jousting Bunk Beds. Ooh! What is that? Wow. <laughs> That's saucy. Yes. Uh, in today's battle, we'll be facing off two contenders for the title of Augury of Disturbing Dissonance with Amori Ooh. versus Doki Doki Literature Club. I'm super excited to talk about these games today. And mm-hmm. if you didn't hear it in the very intro, who doesn't listen to the very beginning of a recording? Um, this episode is going to contain spoilers because we can't talk about these games without talking about the story and narrative. So... Please listen and don't care about that. Let's listen to this episode. Uh, I'm super excited. It's jam-packed. Let's go ahead and jump right into listener questions and get this going. Hell yeah. Yeah. All right, here we go. Don't even try touching that button without asking first. Oh, uh, can I push the button? I don't know. Can you? Really? Who hired you? Seriously. 
Incoming pod drop from floor 22. Thanks, I think. Okay, hand me that. <laughs> sure. All right, you know them, you love them. It's listener questions time. This round of listener questions is brought to you by Every Amalgamation of Canned Meat. Feel the gush. Gross. All right. (laughs) (laughs) Where do we get these sponsors? I don't know. They pay great, though. Uh, So this episode, this listener question uh, comes in from Beached Barstool. I don't know what that means. But uh, Beached Barstool asks, if you could get drunk with any video game character, who would it be? I love this question. What do you guys think? For some reason, I expected and why. And we didn't get an and why. So I feel like I just want to say. Uh, that's I mean, implied, a, though. That's implied. The and why <laughs> is implied. We can't just name a name and be like, well, that was a list of questions. Blah, 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 blah. Um, actually, Jake, I imply you infer. Thanks, Creed. <laughs> <laughs> All right. So who would you okay. want to so get drunk with? This is a stupid answer, and I don't know why, but I'd like to get drunk with Solid Snake. Not because I think we'd get, answer. Well, not because I think we'd get along. He'd probably fucking hate me, all right? He, he wouldn't like me at all, but I want to see him drunk. I really want to see Solid okay. Snake after he's had a few and just what he says, stories he tells, any of that. Did you know you could eat crabs in, in the Russian jungle? <laughs> No solid snake. I'm naked snake. Sorry, that's this is the third game. Let me get solid snake. Sorry about that. Just like a Hello, drunken I'm crisis. solid snake. And then you'll never believe what he said. He said, I see you've been playing Mario Kart Double Dash. <laughs> I was like, what is that? I don't, it broke my mind, man. So his I shot him in the face. His name was Psycho Mantis. They're all named after animals. Can I tell you something? One time... I was on that big shell place and I was walking along. One of those grunts started peeing off the ledge and I just stood under it. And I don't know why. I just stared up into the piss stream. Let it cover my eyes. Why did I do that? I don't know, man. It didn't even turn me on. I I don't understand why I stayed. It wasn't even like a fetish thing. Did you know if I wear a bandana, I can't run out of bullets? <laughs> I think I'm cursed. And it, if you ever need to worry about humanity, just remember I broke into a top secret facility in a fucking cardboard box. Jesus Christ, these I, idiots. No, I actually, I picture them laughing like he's like a laughing stock and they're just ignoring him. Like you can just hear them giggling and he's like, I'm well hidden. <laughs> just standing by him like, whose footprints are these? What was that noise? <laughs> like Whenever you hear those stupid sound barks, they were them being sarcastic. I guess it was the wind. Come on, dude. Let's get out of here. He's trying so hard. <laughs> it's like playing peekaboo with a child. It's, it's like a meta explanation for why the AI is so dumb. They're not dumb. They're humoring Snake. Hmm, let's see. He ran into this room. There's two lockers, but I can't find them. Let's get out of here. God, it's like playing hide and seek with my son. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, where'd Snake go? Where'd Snake go? Oh, there he is. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, my gosh. Snake laughs and waddles off. Like, I'm going to get you. I would just love to hear uh, David Hader. David Hader? 
Yeah. Yeah, I'd love to hear his voice while drunk. I'd love to hear, hear a slurring snake. That could be a name of one of them. Slurring snake. <laughs> slurring snake. <laughs> hey, let me tell you, Colonel, you're a real pain in the ass. <laughs> oh, give me your action button, Colonel. Where's, where's Meryl? Where's Where's Meryl? What's her What's her com number? Let's call her. <laughs> Drunk. I told you to stop call. calling my daughter. <laughs> Drunk dialing on the com. <laughs> Snake, um, you're embarrassing yourself. Meryl, why'd you leave me? Meryl. <laughs> hey, you ever? This is a weird question. You ever climbing a ladder and you hear sing sing? Never mind. <laughs> Hear a woman singing. <laughs> I think that's his dad. <laughs> We're going back into you're going back at the naked snake. Oh, I they're, they're all the same snake to me. Don't don't tell me the truth. I just I combine. Oh my them all. gosh! Oh my gosh! I just figured it out. Slurring snake leads to naked snake leads <laughs> to solid snake. Shut up! <laughs> hey yo, you found it. <laughs> I found the connection. Oh my god! JB, what's your pick? <laughs> Um uh so I would want to get drunk with um the Ash Ketchum's mom or Red's mom. <laughs> Jesus. Oh buddy. From the Pokemon Gen 1. That's oh, so you're gonna up. slide into Ash's DMs, huh? Uh, well not Ash's Ash. no Ash's mom's Ash's <laughs> mom's DMs. Hey, is your is your mom home? I mean she's only got that Mr. Mime to keep her company and I'm Please, like so Don't get into that. <laughs> hey Ash's mom. <laughs> What up? You don't well, know her you... name. Ash's mom. Mrs. Yeah, Ketchum. It's just Ash's mom. Mrs. Ketchum, yeah. <laughs> Not even yeah. Mrs. Ketchum. <laughs> well, I think you're going to have to compete with uh, Professor Oak a little bit there, right? Don't yeah. I feel like Oak's always hanging around. Like, when he's trying to call his mom, Oak's always there. I think there's something going on, something oh, yeah. a little implied. Like, Professor Oak's... Oak's like, hello, Ash. I'm your daddy now. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. Oak what if Ash's mom was, was like... Hey Oak, like I know, like we got to bone down and all that stuff, but my son, he's like always around, and I don't know oh, what to yeah. do. And he goes, "Oh, I'll oh. just give him a Pokemon and send him on a mission. He'll you be gone know. for years. You'll you never see him again." <laughs> that is a hundred percent. That's probably canon. But what about his cousin, oh, Gary? Oak is, Oak is such a little Oak. player. He do he does it Gary's to all the kids. Game. Oak does it to all the kids in the whole mm -hmm. neighborhood. Yeah. He frees up all of those eligible bachelorettes. Ooh, Oak. Oh, my gosh. This is dark. Yeah, Oak has a, another Pokedex. Pokedex. Oh. Pokedex. <laughs> oh, no. Guys, Pokedex. <laughs> He's got that rare candy. You know what I mean? <laughs> but notice how none Get of it. them have dads. Like, he murders them. No, he no, is. No, I don't them. think he murders them. I think they're always just away at work. And Professor Oak works from home. Oak uh, is a feral man that has been all over that world. <laughs> He's everyone's sure. So then the only thing they have is the kids. He sends them away. And then all these single moms with no husband, no kid are just like lonely. And he mm -hmm. goes, hey, come over for mimosas. Yeah. We'll make a day of it. It'll be fine. Man, that's straight evil. And I like I'm the idea. You look tense. Would you like a massage? Yeah. <laughs> I want to oh, get drunk no. with Professor Oak. Yeah, I know. Learn like, his secrets. Come on. That. <laughs> get, that would, I like the idea of coming. Uh, Ash coming home and Oak is already there in his house with his mom. Like he always gets there first, and he's like, "Oh, hey, Ash, welcome home." <laughs> he's on the couch with her watching hey, Netflix. Professor Oak, I caught a new Pokemon. <laughs> Good job. Uh, what was your name again? No, no, Gary. 
Gary. Wait, where are you going with this? Gary's family. Wait, what? Gary. Gary's related oh, to Gary Oak. Oak. He sends his own kid away. Gary's no, not related um, to the mom. No, don't confuse this. No, Gary. Gary's Professor Oak's grandson. Yeah, and so Gary and Ash's mom. It seems like the ultimate rival move. He got there first. Oh, you're saying Gary, yeah. Ten Badge, motherfucking Oak slides yeah. in, and is Ash's stepdaddy now? Ash's mom is his eleventh badge. I said badge, right? No. I said badge. I said badge. <laughs> oh no, no, no! Uh, I feel. Are we are we just a hot goss podcast now? Welcome to Head to Head, a hot goss podcast. We get to <laughs> gossip about all of the video game uh, hot goss. That's just yeah. Pokemon. Pokemon <laughs> does that. It brings that out of people. It's a very sensual game. Jake, what's your pick? <laughs> Leave me hanging on that line. Why do you guys always do that, Jake? It is rare that I say weird things like that. Maybe not, but you always leave me hanging. <laughs> always. Give me just enough rope, man. Just, just enough, enough rope. Oh, fuck. Jake. Uh, <laughs> dude, okay. So, man, my vote is, is Pokemon related. It was going to be Detective Pikachu, but the one voiced by Danny DeVito. Okay. Which never really came <laughs> to life, right? Like, Okay, so. What? Uh, what, Detective Pikachu, obviously a game where Pikachu's a detective. Ah, you solve mysteries with Pikachu. So early on, people were talking about a Detective Pikachu movie and yeah. the big meme. And it was it had a ton of popularity was if they ever do a Detective Pikachu movie, voice it or voice Pikachu uh, by Danny DeVito. So Detective <laughs> Pikachu would be Danny DeVito. It, it gained so much steam that if you search Detective Pikachu Danny DeVito on YouTube, you can pull up lots of videos <laughs> of oh, people dubbing in Danny DeVito on Detective Pikachu. And it's amazing. It, 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 gives, it gives Pikachu this really like gruff fucking demeanor when he's throwing out those amazing lines. Everything Danny DeVito says is amazing. But I it, wasn't it, thinking like the old school Danny DeVito. I was thinking always sunny Danny yeah. DeVito. Yeah. Oh, Frank Reynolds. That's that's well, it's both. I went straight I mean, to that in my mind. You hear hey, both. I'm like... Pikachu. Oh, I'm so drunk. Ah, Pikachu. Pika Pika. Would you like a nice egg in this trying time? Like Oh my god, that would be amazing. I'm going to misquote it a lot. I'm really bad at quotes, but Yeah, so I would like to spend the evening with Pikachu in his little cute little detective hat. But just all that awful vulgarity of Danny DeVito is just spewing forth from his little Pikachu mouth. I would have so much fun with that. Isn't he such like a mythical creature? Like Danny DeVito is Danny not DeVito? of this realm. He really is not. He's like, he's otherworldly to me. I don't know what it is. I would okay. I would say that. Like, I just like Danny DeVito a lot as an actor. But if you like, if him. you take him, if you look him, look at him like abstractly, he's he's small. He's kind of. Like he is like a satyr that was pulled He's a satyr. into this world. I think that's why he vo voiced one in Hercules. Mm -hmm. like, yeah, he was Phil. And you didn't yeah. even question it. He was perfect. Like I, He was perfect for I, it, I didn't yeah. think about voice acting when he was in that. It just felt right. I think he, I, I think he is just like a, a mythological being. I really do. Yeah, he him. has like unbelievable range. Mm -hmm. Matilda. Yeah, he does anything he does. You're like, yep, I see it. Like, you don't, it doesn't take you out of it at all. You're not like, You're right. why is the guy from this thing doing this other thing? It's just, mm -hmm. yes, this character is a legit thing that exists. 
Yeah, everything he's ever done, his whole his whole full body of work, he, he's he's perfect in everything he does. He's actually one of my favorite actors. It's not just because of like always sunny stuff. It was it was the stuff before it. Like Danny DeVito is so fucking solid. Wolverine. He needs to be in Wolverine. Oh my god! Just picture <laughs> him shirtless, hair fucking messed up on the sides of his head, and it's just snarling, spit like spitting out all over his chin and stuff. He's just like. <laughs> I can see it too. He would be he would be the perfect Wolverine. In fact, his agent should push that now that uh, Hugh Jacked Man is not Wolverine anymore. The space is open. Yeah, and he could play the older version of Wolverine. Like Wolverine's already short, isn't he? He's a short character. He's supposed to be very short in the comics. He's like five foot nothing. I think. Yeah, that's Danny DeVito height. I remember oh my early, God. early, How early tall is Danny DeVito. I'm gonna look it up. I'm gonna we look it up. We did this already. We've already done this. We've we've had an I, argument we talked about, about Danny DeVito's pillow, height. But... <laughs> How tall is he? Remember, he's four ten. He's his four ten. His daughter yeah, was five right. foot four. <laughs> we got into an argument. He's four ten. Okay, yeah, you're right. We did already talk about. I know. I'm sure this isn't the first time, or second it's, time, or third it's time not we'll a ever lot, talk about Danny DeVito. But I'm surprised yeah. it's happened twice. <laughs> 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 All right, Beach Barstool. It's uh well, it's Danny DeVito, isn't it? I mean, it's always Danny DeVito, baby. All right. So, this next question comes in from oh, oh, sad a sad <laughs> neckbeard. This one comes in from sad neckbeard. <laughs> Poor guy. Okay, so my wife left me for a guy with a better gaming chair. What should I do? I think there's some meat in this question. So, okay. Wife. So they were married. Your wife says, I've met somebody. And you're like, oh no, what's happening? He has a better gaming chair. Bye. Simple as that. What would you do in that situation? Simple. Are you kidding me? Support them. And honor them. You know, don't be a hater. Oh. She's in a better place. It's very free love of you. So, like, support mm-hmm. love where it blossoms, even if it's your wife. Well, yeah, you want the best for her. And in this case, the best for her is not you. And who are you to take that away from her? That's true. What if he does have one of those sweet-ass gaming chairs? The really, like, stiff, uncomfortable mm-hmm. ones that look like racing chairs? Right. And only pro gamers would ever buy those. I mean, like... Honestly, if you if if you're not pro gaming, then why would you need the comfort and the safety of a pro gaming chair? Like it's it doesn't make sense. So, that is true. I've always obviously. loved I've always loved the fact that those stupid high end gaming chairs are like bucket seats, so they raise up on the sides to hug you. You know, in case you need to do any fucking maneuvers. <laughs> like, yes. what are you doing in your gaming chair that you need your that you need your chair to hug you on the sides? You, you know like, what it is. It, it's what? the the gamer leans. You know, you're playing driving games. You're playing shooting games. Those those little gamer leans left and right. That's why those chairs have like the what is it, a six point harness. So I mean, you don't fall out of your game while you're yeah. playing. Uh, I was gonna say Project Gotham. That's one. Project That's a racing game. <laughs> yeah, because I mean, you gotta you gotta get your hips. You gotta get your body into those turns. You can't just have it all in the hands. You gotta, you know, you gotta Bruce Lee that shit. You gotta get the whole body in there. As mm. someone with a pro gaming chair, I am deeply offended by this conversation. <laughs> <laughs> deeply. 
you don't understand. The reason why it hugs you is to keep you in proper position for long periods of gaming. You get the lumbar support. You get the neck pillow. You get all of these things, and you need to stay at the the correct uh, position in order to reduce the amount of wear and tear on your joints. You know, you got your elbows, your wrists, your knees. Mm-hmm. There's a whole there's a whole science behind getting that proper form sure. to be at peak gaming performance. Yeah. And this is why your wife left you. It wasn't because he had a better gaming chair. It's because he cared more about getting peak performance. And somebody who cares about getting peak performance cares about it in every facet of their their lives, including the bedroom. Which is where people usually keep their computers. So, yeah. Yeah, right. I mean, uh, yeah, a lot of people do that. So. Maybe he (sighs) needs to take performance enhancing pills. I know they sell them at the gas station. Which oh, I, oh. I, a lot of gamers go to the gas station for, like, you know, uh, Code Red. And I was thinking about so. G Fuel. You can get those G Fuel gummies yeah. on Amazon right now. Pop a few gummies, have an aneurysm. Hell yeah. Yeah. And don't get that artificial stuff. Make sure it's natural. Like, I mean, guys, you want that natural male enhancement for when you're gaming. So make sure you get that natural male enhancement pill for your so gaming So, like, horny sesh. goat weed? Yeah, sure. What, whatever floats your goat. <laughs> Do they still sell that horny goat weed? Is that a thing? I thought you were just stringing some no, words together. No, it's one hundred percent a real thing. You could buy them at gas stations. It had a really like whacked out goat on the front. It's horny goat weed it's supposed to get you going. I have no idea. All I know is that one time I was I was roofied one of those things, I guess you could say. Roofied is the wrong word. I was slipped That's, a Mickey. There's no. connotations there. This, how do you say that somebody put one of those in my steak? They spike your spiked? steak? Yes. They, they somebody bought one. spiked your steak. They spiked my steak with some natural male enhancement gas, uh, <laughs> gas station pills. <laughs> and then while what? I'm eating dinner, oblivious... They watched me the whole time to see if it did anything, which is kind of a weird point in my life now that I'm saying it out loud. <laughs> but the question on everybody's minds is, did it do anything? Did it no, do anything? It's, it's not like instant. <laughs> so you were eating a nice well done steak and then all of a sudden you're like, I got to go, guys. Yeah. And then my plate just hits the floor like, what the hell? <laughs> Why is this steak so good? Not. <laughs> what did you say? <laughs> I guess the sauce is boss. <laughs> this is... Oh, we're one joke away from Flavor Town, baby. <laughs> so, <laughs> uh, I mean, there's still there's still certain like connotations to that. But somebody sprinkled male enhancement stuff on your steak. That's wild, dude. Yeah. Wait, didn't okay, so was this around the time that you all also uh I don't know, cut this out if I'm not allowed to say it, but when you guys were college age and all living in that apartment, didn't you all just like either slip each other Viagras or like take Viagras to see what happened? Mm, yeah, that was part of it. That was the thing. Oh <laughs> so okay. Well, why did you just say that? Somebody put a Viagra on your steak. How did you not taste that? Because they crushed it up and they put it all around, and it, it's like a flavorless pill. Like it, it, I just didn't. Yeah, no. <laughs> <laughs> I do now. 
I mean, is that bad? <laughs> I don't even know. Like, I feel like... <sighs> I feel like we're 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 touching like boundaries of morality there. Like even though it's funny and it's Viagra, like I don't know, man. I don't know. Don't, don't drug your friends. Don't, don't drug your friends. Don't take we're this gonna... away from me as a fun story. <laughs> don't don't put a, a hole there that says trauma where I had fun story before. <laughs> don't do that to don't, me. <laughs> don't drug your friends no matter how fun it is. Yeah. At one point in my life that would have been very fun. You know, I can picture a time in my life where I'm like, that is a hoot. And yeah. I would share that story and everyone would laugh. And That's nowadays, early 20s. Early 20s. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> and nowadays it's just concerning. <laughs> yeah. In your 20s when you're like, I've never been to jail. I could go to jail for a few days. I want to see what it's like. Yep. <laughs> like you have that yep. mentality. Even yep. I did. And I wouldn't last in Dude, what prison's we... the big one. I wouldn't even last in jail. I wouldn't even last in the drunk take. There was a period where we all felt like that. When you yeah. have no responsibility and you're like, ah, I can go to jail for a little bit. This is really fun. Everybody needs to go to jail at least once. And now I'm older. Yeah. I'm like, why did I say that? Yeah. <laughs> why did I want to go to jail? <laughs> What's in there for me? Now as a man in my mid-30s, all I'm worried about is, man, you, your blood pressure, like your heart rate could have been elevated. Are you okay? Your cholesterol okay? is a little high. Maybe you should take fish oil pills. <laughs> Uh, all right, there you have it, Sad Neckbeard. Um, spike his steak with Viagra and have a great night together and embrace- That won't help. Free love. <laughs> oh, it might help a lot, actually. <laughs> um, and, well, that's it for listener questions. And I got a surprise for you guys this time. I got a real juicy- Hello, fellas. I'm back. Are you ready to bear yourselves whole? What? No, dude, it's been like 30 minutes or 20, however long it's been since we started recording. Yeah, and we're still live, Terry. I hope that doesn't mean you didn't write them. It would be a shame if our group disbanded and you were fired due to unharmoniousness. What? No, we we wrote them. Right, guys? Yeah. Yeah. yeah they're just not polished yet. Still first draft, you know? Oh, even better. I like it raw and uncut when it comes to poetry. Let's hear it. Who's first? Uh, uh, Jake? Ooh, um, <laughs> cowboy? Uh, I mean, I could give it a shot, I guess. Perfect. I am wide open for you. Unload your burdens onto me. I... Uh, uh, okay. Um. All right. I I've, I've never read this. It's it's called Harmony. Quite harmonious. <laughs> In the wake of beating hearts, stirs resounding silence, and within that lull of pulse is the place that you and I rest. In the stillness of that moment, between the rush of push and pull, we ache to pause a measure, as half beats making whole. Absolute dog shit. Terribly pretentious. Whoa. Jake, what have you got? What? Um, uh, um, uh, um, don't go chasing waterfalls? And there we go. That is a poem. You have the natural beauty of the waterfall, the 
unknowing Ugh. chase, not being able to get there, should you chase something that is evergreen? Yeah. It is what? unknown, but yet somehow familiar? Mm-hmm. But that's... JB, your turn. I, um... So when I... Um... Uh... I mean, you did write a poem, right? <laughs> um... Uh, no? No! 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 Rejection. Apathy. Hopelessness, and yet resistance? In a cruel world. No, that single syllable. Symbol of the fire that burns. That burns inside all of us. I... I... Terry... Are you crying? You're crying. I must go. I have much to ruminate about. Whoa. Um, you guys want to wash that out of your mouths with some uh, trivia? Yes, please. Yes, palate nice. cleanse, for the love of God. I got, <laughs> <laughs> I got, I actually have a really awesome trivia segment for you guys for this episode. So, you guys know the drill. What's your buzzers? Meep. Won't you take me? Awooga. Nice. All right. Hands on your buzzers. Uh, this round of trivia, it's something a little special. I want to test your general knowledge of the world. We're talking Awooga. general trivia, baby. This isn't video game related at all. Uh-oh. Let's test your general knowledge. Uh-oh. And I would like to state that this round of trivia questions comes straight from trivia questions with two... S is at the end for some reason. Dot com <laughs> slash fun dash trivia dash questions. Okay. One S was taken. <laughs> yes, yes, I think so. All right. Hands on the buzzer. Question number one. What is the official nickname of Texas? Meep. Yeby. That would be the Lone Star State. Ding, ding, ding. That's it. 1.4 JB. <laughs> That's the official name of Texas? The official, did I say the nickname. official name? I said nickname, you said didn't nickname. I? Yeah. Nickname. Uh... Nickname. Okay, I'm not going crazy. All right. Question number two Name the largest continent in the world. Meet JB. That would be Antarctica. Oh, incorrect. Ah. I know what the answer is, too. Cowboy. Um, that big one to the east. All right, let's hear your name. Asia. Ding, ding, ding. Yeah. We are at one to one. <laughs> <laughs> I'm so glad I, I trusted myself on that. <laughs> the big one. All right, that's, that's enough for geography, unless it comes up again. I don't remember. All right, question number three. Who invented the wheel? Auga. Cowboy. Humans. Incorrect. <laughs> this Fuck is according. You. Hey, I'm going according to triviaquestions.com. Meep. JB. The Greeks. Incorrect. Mm. The correct answer is 3500 BC. <laughs> <laughs> Question number four <laughs> What <Goddamn>. is the <laughs> other name of the protractor? Meep. JB. A compass? Incorrect. Ah, uh, cowboy. The angler. 
Incorrect. The correct answer is the letter D. Next question. <laughs> Jesus. What kind of GeoCities site are you pulling these goddamn questions from? <laughs> trivia questions with two S's.com. Oh my I'm God. Four slash fun. I'm going to lose trivia questions. I'm going to lose track of what. I'm going to lose track of what number of questions this is because I got a lot of them because I love this. All right. Next question. At which big event Kevin was left alone in the home? Awooga. Cowboy. Christmas. Correct. Ding, ding, ding. Two, one. Cowboy's in the lead. Next question. Hey, Cowboy. Catch him. I just wanted to let you know. Yeah. I'm not even left handed. (laughs) Oh, it's about to get intense. Next question. Which Friday brings a lot of happiness? Beep. I mean, meep. (laughs) (laughs) So I've been used to hitting the buzzer with my left hand. I switched to my right and I just didn't get the right feel for it. Sure, 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 Uh, sure. sure, The answer is. Good Friday. Incorrect. Can you repeat the question then? Which Friday brings a lot of happiness? Ooga. Cowboy. That is obviously Happy Friday? <laughs> Incorrect. Uh, the Black Friday is obviously the correct oh. answer. Next some... question. Who is the patron saint of Ireland? Meep. GJV. Who is Maui? Incorrect. Uh, Cowboy. Jesus. Incorrect. That is St. Patrick, of course. What? Next question. (laughs) Where is Sahara Desert situated? Auga. Cowboy. The Middle East. Incorrect. <laughs> um, I'm so bad at geography. Meep. Yes, JB. I went to schools in America. Um, I will say Egypt. Say Incorrect. According to TriviaQuestions.com, the correct answer is in the North America. <laughs> what? Is it? Is it really? No, it's in Africa. But question, oh. <laughs> the next. Who invented bulb? Uh, oh, meep. Oh, cowboy. Uh, well, I hope this is right. Thomas Edison. Ding, ding, ding. That is actually correct. We are actually 3-1 cowboy. Even though it was Tesla. We all know it. A sizable lead. Next question. Let me find it, actually. Next question. Where is Panama situated? Meep. JB. It's in Central America. It's in Panama. <laughs> That's correct. The correct answer is Panama. <laughs> it's two to three. All right. Next question. What is the rarest eye color of the redheads? Meep. Ooh, that was cowboy on my end. Um, I want to say that it's green eyes. Incorrect. I have failed my people. Oh, no. Meep. JB. All right. I got a, I got a metagame this quiz. <laughs> no, you don't. So my, you know my heart says blue because it's both recessive genes for blue. But, but I'm not going to do that. And I'm going to lose the point to say white albino eyes. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, incorrect. It actually was blue. You could have yeah, tied it up it there, was. buddy. Okay. Next question. When is Easter celebrated? Auga. 
Cowboy. On Easter. Mm, not according to TriviaQuestions.com. Meep? JB. Sunday. <laughs> <laughs> Somehow funnier than my answer. <laughs> uh, it's celebrated on April 1st, apparently. April Fool's. Oh, they got us. They got you. April Fool's jokes are fucking dumb. (laughs) All right. Next question. Who named the city New York? Auga. Cowboy. Mr. York himself. Oh, that's a great answer, but incorrect. (laughs) Uh, Meep. Yaby. The British. I'm going to give it to you. Don't okay. do that. The correct, well, the correct answer is the English man. <laughs> I'm going to give what? it to you. I'm going to give it to you. It's tied up three to three. I mean, that, yeah. You got that. Wow. Yeah. Next question. When did, <laughs> when did the first man landed on the moon? Hey. Oh, God. Um, Oof. Cowboy. Oof. 1776. <laughs> no, incorrect. Damn it. Meep. Uh, JB. I don't know, like the 60s or something? <laughs> uh, incorrect. When did the first man landed on the moon? The correct answer is obviously Neil, Neil Armstrong. Armstrong. Yep. Yeah. <laughs> okay. <laughs> it sure is. The latency means that you already knew that answer. I know <laughs> yeah. that you said it before you finished it. <laughs> All right, I knew it. (laughs) Because of fucking (laughs) triviaquestions.com. Okay, okay. The final... Oh, I wish we didn't end it on this one, because nobody's going to get it, and it's tied. Uh, I might, though. Is it tied? I thought I was in the league. It's tied. Three to three, baby. three to three. And I even gave up the blue eyes. Yeah, you did. (laughs) Because this isn't even my final form. (laughs) Final question tonight. Uh, who was the first black president of the United States? Auga. I mean, th- this shouldn't be hard. It's Obama. Well, you know that's incorrect. No, <laughs> what are you talking about? <laughs> um. Okay. 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 What okay. Hold on. What kind of alternate timeline is this website from? I don't. I don't even know. But I'm in love with it. <laughs> the final question tonight. Who was the first black president of okay. the United States? Meep. JB. Meep. Um, I'm racking my brain. It's the... Okay, so they're going to choose um, Terry Crews from Idiocracy, and his character's name... <laughs> his character's name... Oh, what is his character's name? Was... Um, oh, man, it was... Camacho, President Camacho. Camacho. That is such a good answer, but it is and unfortunately right? incorrect. So correct. Oh uh, the correct answer is for some reason John Hansen was the first black president. Who the John fuck Hansen is, was. Who's John Hansen? Nobody knows. Wait, wait. The catch a predator guy? No, that's Chris Hansen. Oh. <laughs> and who the fuck is John Hansen? Okay, I actually, all right, I actually looked it up. There was a viral message going around a couple of years ago or something, whatever, saying Obama was not the first black president. Of course, it was John Hansen, who was a man who did great things. He helped emancipated slaves uh, move to Liberia and things like that. Um, 
he was confused for a white John Hansen, who was one of the first leaders of the Continental Congress. Little history for you. So that was just weirdly incorrect. That was like Facebook incorrect. Oh, my God. These questions mm. are probably from fucking Facebook, aren't they? <laughs> yeah, yeah, it definitely feels like it either supplies it. If it was Reddit, it. they would have said Camacho. They would have yes. said Camacho. All right. It's three to three. Do you guys want me to find a tiebreaker? Yes. Sure. And it will only take one second through the magic of editing. Go. Here it comes. <laughs> okay. All right. That sounds promising. <laughs> sounds like a very honest okay. question. Okay. No I don't twist. even know how remotely true this is. Okay. All right. Final question of the night. The question to break all the ties. How many films Anna Jolie has directed? I'll let you guys just do until you get it. How many films Angelina Jolie has directed? Five. More. 69. Less. 14. More. 20. More. 42. Oh, so close. 41. Less close. <laughs> 45. So close. This price 46. is right. <laughs> oh, so close. Don't underbid me. 47. Oh, Cowboy takes it. Yeah. Cowboy wins. <laughs> trivia questions. Dot com trivia. The answer was literally at least 47. <laughs> <laughs> that doesn't even sound true, though. Like, not only is it non-committal, but I don't think it's right. Tonight you win this beautiful stack of slightly used and bent post-it notes with Game Corp insignia right in the corner there. Don't know yeah. how they made it. Don't know how they paid for it, but take those notes. Take oh, them yeah. from Game Corp. I don't know if the Franks know, but these things are like cigarettes, prison currency. Like, these are gold. We literally use them all around the office. We can't get enough of them. Oh, my God. They're embossed in the subtle bone white. Oh my god, it's got a watermark. That that was that was American Psycho. Anyway, now before we move on, we here at Head to Head, a video game podcast, don't believe ourselves to be the end all be all when it comes to passing judgment on video game battles. We are just three guys with a passion for video games and implied violence. So we'd like to extend the gavel to you, trusty listeners, to help weigh in on what we call the audience head to head. The audience head to head is brought to you by Mr. O'Rourke's Creepy Statue Emporium. You looking to scare passers by so much that they wet themselves or have that creepy house that kids don't ever ride their bikes by or yeah. maybe you're looking to form an mlm disguised as a demon worshiping cult <laughs> look no further yeah. than mr o'rourke's creepy statue emporium we got all the gargoyles desecrated altars and busts that are always looking at you no matter where you stand that a ghost loving child hating occultophile like you could ever ask for mr o'rourke's get your creep on i've never wanted something more i know like they practically sell themselves i'm saying that's pretty cool i want those it was last episode. <laughs> Sorry, I get that. It was totally unintentional. Anyway, last episode we asked which of these video game betrayals was the most upsetting. Was it Edgar Ross from Red Dead Redemption or Wheatley from Portal? The winners in a photo finish was Wheatley. This hey. episode we asked. I mean, oh yeah, congratulations. Yeah, congratulations <laughs> like to you. Congratulations to. To Wheatley for pulling off the best betrayal I've ever seen.
This episode we ask, what elite gamers are more impressive to you, 100 percenters or speedrunners? You can find our poll on social media or reach out directly and help us answer this burning question. It is I, the Inquisitor, Harold! I'm here to collect your weekly NDAs and remind you to keep your lips sealed when it comes to anything company-related. We wouldn't want to get sued for no reason now, would we? Or maybe you're into that. No judgments! I myself enjoy a little financial pain in the boardroom from time to time. Oh, uh, sorry man, I have literally no idea what you're talking about right now. Yo, I'm starting to feel like nobody cares the one we're recording. Like, I literally put a red LED sign that says do not enter. Oh, that thing? I turned off the word not, because it made no sense. Doors are for entering. What an obviously stupid and inferior sign. Okay, well that's great. Uh, sorry, Harold. It's... Inquisitor Harold! Right. Inquisitor Harold. Between the show and Employee of the Month Committee, like, we've been just too distracted. Oh, my. You were chosen for the committee? Oh, that's simply scandalous. Oh, how diabolical. What did you poor souls do to deserve such a thing? What? N nothing. It's not that bad. I mean, it's no jury duty. We just look at a few performance records and pick who's the best employees. Easy peasy. Peasy? Oh, yes, but easy? No, no, no. Terry takes this committee quite serious, and I mean deadly serious. Have you ever been to one of his traditional Employee of the Month ceremonies? Ceremony? No, but I figured it's because of our, well, you know. Terrible work ethic? Concentrancy? No, I was going to say involvement in multiple office uprisings, but yeah, those work too. Ooh, and pray tell me, what happened to the previous committee members you've replaced? Oh, the boss said that they were just, uh, missing, huh? Well, yeah, I mean, they probably got bored and went all AWOL. Oh, the naivete wafting from this room is palpable and I'm loving every moment of it. Uh, Terry's obsession with perfection when it comes to choosing the right candidate knows no bounds. I'd be surprised if you nerds last the day. <laughs> it's delightful. What? Help us out, man. Like, what should we do? Oh, no, no, no. I wouldn't touch the situation with a ten-foot pole. I will, however, eagerly await the conclusion to this dilemma from the comfort of the break room. <laughs> Inquisitor, away! Well, while we try to decipher what mess we've gotten ourselves into, let's go to break for tonight's sponsor. But when we return, get ready for a showdown. Head to Head, a video game podcast, is brought to you by you. That's right, dear listener. You are the main driving force behind this wacky, weird show. Don't be distracted by all these totally real and super well-paying sponsors featured in each and every episode. And don't be dissuaded by the millions of listeners we claim to have. Our show is brand new, and it's not ran by well-known celebs or people already in the entertainment industry, which means it's as indie as you can get. And remember, y'all, Indie is cool, so you're cool by default just by listening. To top it all off, our show is also free. You don't have to pay a cent to listen to each and every one of our episodes. What we do ask, however, is that you share our show with someone, suggest it on social media, show friends and family. 
lock loved ones in a car with you, and make them listen to it for seven hours on a road trip. It would mean the world to us. Before I run out of precious ad space, I want to once again thank each and every one of you for listening in. You're literally the best. And that's not hyperbole. You literally are the best. Remember that. Now, back to the show. These two games put the W in WTF, as well as the T and the F. Two of the strangest stories I've ever played, these had me furrowing my brow harder than Mario after being told yet again that Princess Peach was kidnapped. Battling for the title of Augury of Disturbing Dissonance, Omori and Doki Doki Literature Club are putting their weird foot forward, but let's find out which will reign supreme in this episode's Head to Head Showdown. Our first contender tonight's matchup is Amori, made by Omocat, the anonymous art blogger turned game dev when their Kickstarter met its $20,000 goal in just one day, and then tenfold that in only two months later. But a little less climactically, was spread across six years of development. This is a cute and charming, self-harming, watermelon-smashing, anguish-masking RPG Maker adventure where you'll play as local dreamy sad boy Amori as you take a light-hearted adventure through a childlike make-believe world of his subconscious with his friends Hiro, Kel, and Aubrey. You'll spend your time meeting all the bizarre, adorable creatures that populate these fantastically hand-drawn worlds, and then, because kids are adolescent psychopaths, you will find yourself beating the tar out of them in a combat system that utilizes so much emotional manipulation that you'll think my ex-girlfriend was the lead programmer. Ha-ha! That bitch! Then, faster than you can say childhood trauma, the symbol-laden story will take a jarring dark turn as reality begins to slip through the cracks in the form of dark figures, ultimately dropping you back into the real world where you'll have to deal with your problems just like the rest of us, Sonny. Well, at least we can always use the fantasy of video games to escape to a dream world where... Oh, I get it now. All right, my recluses, let's talk about... Amori. Now, to set the stage for this, if you guys have ever seen or played Earthbound, it's like a spiritual successor in, in some ways to Earthbound. Uh, it, it looks like it's right out of the NES for, as far yeah. as like the sprite work and the overworld goes. And it's the adventure of four kids in this fantastic, well, dream world until things aren't. Now, again, we're going to lead into some spoilers a little bit because we can't talk right. about it without talking about the story somewhat. Also, both of these games do deal with some heavy subjects. Mm -hmm. So, coming through these light we're going to try to make them as entertaining as possible, but we'll try to respect the subject matter to the best of our really dumb brain abilities. Okay. <laughs> so, let's jump into what we think Amori did good. Uh, Cowboy, lead us off today. So, the only the only Amori that I ever knew was when the when the moon hit your eyes like a big pizza pie, that's and Amori. that's Amori. But this Amori, like the eel, <laughs> like I don't know what that means. Amore eel. Ah, <laughs> uh, is that from trivia facts Jokes. with two s's dot com? <laughs> Fucking hate whatever that was. But this Amori is not like a big pizza pie and it does not uh, hit your eye. This game is just heavy and surprisingly Agreed. so. All right. So what do I like about this game? And I'm going to have to be objective here. I, I actually I don't want to talk about this from my personal view. I want to talk about this for how most people would feel. And this game is creative and beautiful as fuck. 
It is uh, hand-drawn. It's really good to look at. And tons of people will love this story because as I was playing it, I know that it's a heavy, likable story. Mm-hmm. It's got childlike elements. It's, it's you know, whimsical. It's always entertaining. It's never monotonous and, and really boring. It's always got something creative coming up. I don't want to take too much of this ammunition, but I can tell you all that most people who consider themselves not boring, creative in any way, empathetic (laughs) in any way, people who don't watch NASCAR and drink Bud Light, or maybe you do and you still are the type of way I'm talking, those people will love that game. Uh, Yeah, I actually agree with everything you said. Uh, So the the story behind Omori is actually pretty fascinating, at least I thought. I think mm-hmm. it was way back in like 2011 or so. There's an artist. She goes by Omocap. Uh, Amori originally started as a blog where she would post pictures of the main character, Amori, in a, a place Tumblr called. Blog. What's that? It's a Tumblr blog. In yeah. Fact. Yeah. 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 Um, and it would be, it would feature uh, it would feature pictures of Amori with captions, things like that. She started developing her character a decade ago. Mm-hmm. And it progressed through Amori's experience through what you learn early on in this game is a space called white space. It is a space without ideas. It is a space of nothing where Amori finds himself trapped until he gets into a beautiful game world where he gets to experience really awesome adventures with his friends. And it uh, it progressed from uh, the blog space. Um, into an actual like art book, and it's very interesting too. Uh, this art book you can actually see in the game when you're in white space and you look at that book with the sketches in it, with the very rather disturbing sketches in it. For a while, that was a product you could buy, and it featured even more art than that. But yeah. Omocat wanted to take it further. Uh, she wanted her entire mythos, her story realized. So they eventually, over six years, made it into a damn game, and I think they made it into yeah. a damn fine game. I can't stress enough how cool this game is artistically um again the overworld is really neat it's really fascinating it's goofy it's weird uh every sprite is like funky but it works so well and the hand-drawn illustrations that you get to experience in combat or like cutscenes, things like that are amazing at setting tone like every time i ran into a very fun creature or a very disturbing creature they were so effective at setting that tone i loved it i love the way this game looks and can i say uh, i i've looked through her art blog she is a fantastic artist when you look at these characters and these kind of uh, these graphics and everything, it's it's a little crude and hand drawn and childlike, and that's very much on purpose to set tone. Yes, the art on here is is pristine. It's great. It was on purpose. This isn't somebody scrawling with a crayon and they just made something, because RPG Maker games can kind of be like that. Nothing against the format, but they can. They're very amateur kind of made. This one, and that art blog has been around for like ten. 15 years i mean this released in 2020 and it started back in 2011 2014 i mean this is years of culmination i was looking at her art blog and i scrolled through page after page after page of that tumblr blog from just way in the past and i was seeing elements Uh, the actual things included that she had posted uh 10 years back 
This has been a long time coming. It's so packed because this is her life's work. It's all been for this. It's amazing to me. It really is. And a lot of artists don't get to realize their work in that fashion. Mm -hmm. It's it's inspiring in a way. Yeah. Uh, all right. Well, let's talk about, because this is a video game, let's talk about the actual video game elements. Uh, JB, what did you think was good about the game Amori? I mean, it didn't do much wrong, honestly. It it was solid. It was the the RPG elements, the leveling up, the getting new skills. It took a lot of things from a lot of different games that I know and love, like the the Earthbound gameplay, the world mm -hmm. design, um, also the. It took like leveling up and replacing skills from Pokemon, which was just amazing. That was such a nice touch. That was really um, cool. Yeah, absolutely. And one thing that I didn't really even appreciate until just now is I had no idea this was made in RPG Maker. Yeah. Isn't that I had fascinating? no idea. <laughs> I can't believe this game came out of RPG Maker. I've played a lot of RPG Maker games and they all have this stench of RPG Maker. Yeah. And this yes. game smelled like roses. I agree. It, it, well, I could tell be, because I've, I've done a lot of work in it. I can see all the the wires behind, you know, the ungreen screened wires. But even still, I was like, they put this machine to work. They overclocked this thing to make it do things it wasn't meant to do. I was I was actually impressed in a technical sense of what they accomplished. That's awesome. I, I, I want to talk a little more about uh, the combat because this is turn based combat. Think about, take yourself in the Wayback Machine, classic turn-based com uh, combat a la any RPG of like the NES era. They added a few additions that I thought were so solid and it created a lot of synergy between the team that I thought was really amazing. And I wish more turn-based focused, like true turn-based focused games would look at this game and take inspiration from. I loved that the statuses in this game were emotions for one, and each emotion, uh, happy, uh, happy, sad, or angry, affected your stats. And they also played yeah. in a rock paper scissors way. One was more effective at, at dealing damage to the other, on top of giving you these different like stat changes. Yeah. Also, the Pokemon. Yeah. Fire, <laughs> fire, water, uh, earth. Yeah. <laughs> what it is did it? Wheat. Wheat. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, it did. <laughs> yeah, and, and on top of that, it had this really neat meter that raised from one to ten. Yeah. Every time your party got damaged, and you could use that ever-changing meter to pay for really cool synergy moves. Each character had their own unique synergy moves. Or if you let it go all the way to ten, and everybody was still up, you can go into this very fucking ultimate friendship combo that dealt massive damage. It kept turn-based combat so fun. I never got tired of turn-based combat. There's some of my favorite games in the world that I'm just like, ugh, every time I hit another enemy. I never felt that in my time playing Amori. That's Amori. That's Amori. <laughs> I, I had to do it. I agree. Um, the, so when I did the combat and I first learned about the emotion system and how everything plays a part, I'm like, okay, yeah, another one of those. There's status effects that don't actually matter. Just stay normal and you win the game. And I don't know that that's not true at this point, but I know I, I stopped not caring about those emotions fairly soon after I yeah. made that initial snap judgment. And when I realized the benefits of like um, making, oh, what's her name? Aubrey? 
Aubrey. Making her mad and then doing like a, what does she do, a headbutt? Headbutt. headbutt. Her angry headbutt. By the way, the so animation strong. for that attack is so satisfying. Yes, it is. <laughs> and it's quirky and weird and fun. Little touches. It's the best. So I found myself finding ways to be like, okay, so if I time this right, like this character will make her angry and then she'll do a headbutt and then this guy will kick a soccer ball and then do an AOE attack. And there was some strategy to this seemingly simple um, combat system that yeah. I did not think had much depth, but it ended up, it definitely did. It wasn't perfect, but it had just enough, just enough to get you going, you know, match to match, as opposed to other games that just, you got spells and attack, fucking have fun. Like, this kept you moving. Mm-hmm. Uh, I, and... I myself didn't really enjoy the combat that much, which is why I wanted to take an objective opinion because I knew it was good over other games. But like, I like the animations. I like everything they chose, giving it like flair because you could consider the emotions just spells. You could have just called them spells because at the end of the day, they're just stat changes. But it just felt more real and more you felt more in it when yeah. it was like a three-tier system of emotions. It wasn't just sad. It was sad, miserable, and maybe hopeless or something. But there was three tiers of each emotion, too. And I was like, that's depth. That's that's cool. I also, I think it's time to address the elephant in the room that is the game Amori also. So... It is colorful. Okay. It's cute when you're playing in the dream world. It's a lot of fun. The music's upbeat. Like, there's so many cool things about it. At its heart, though, Amori is not just an Earthbound. It's not nope. just that amazing fantasy world with kids having fun. At its heart, Amori is about a kid who went through... Oh, I don't even have to really spoil it. It's about a kid who went through a very traumatic experiences and for the last four years has been suffering from i would say ptsd really and through extreme reclusiveness mm-hmm. and disassociation has become suicidally depressed also and the dream world that amori takes place in mostly unless you're outside is his only coping mechanism with it and I think that it's a really interesting take because Amori, on top of this really interesting adventure, is also about a very tangibly real story of this kid coping with a very real thing that can happen to people. And it shows the effects firsthand of how fucked up this kid is and how the world has moved on without him and how he has not been able to cope with it. But through the story progression, I, I think I played it more the most. I would say that. I put yeah. a lot I put a lot in this game. And it's a long RPG. Um expecting yeah, I us my, to I tried my ass off to finish yeah. this. I expecting expecting us to crush true RPGs in the two week turnaround we have for these episodes, it is impossible, but we try our best. I got pretty damn far though, and it really does shape, at least, I got pretty far. It, it shapes itself into him starting to cope with things, starting to overcome some fears and put things together. And there's also some elements, too, that 
hooked me and I was like, oh, this isn't just cerebral. Ooh, there's more plot hooks as the game goes. I loved the story. And this doesn't happen often with the games that we play. Not all of them. I'll say that, at least for me. I'm going to finish this game even after we post this episode. This is a legit game that I like and I'm going to finish after this episode. Yeah, and I totally agree. Um, you know, obviously it's it's a it's a amateur RPG maker game and everything. Uh, maybe not amateur, but there is a genuine labor of love behind this thing. They take a respectful and well thought out approach. This was not a slap together creepy pasta. This has symbolism or symbology uh, woven throughout it. They put their hearts and souls into crafting this. And I think that needs to be noticed and recognized. And I think that is recognized in the overwhelmingly positive reviews. Now, we're probably going to transition to the bad stuff. And I'm going to say, I, uh, I'm i not crazy about this game. I'm going to have some gripes about it. But I will objectively recognize those things about it. Well, let's let's just move into what Omori did bad. It it sounds like you yeah. got some stuff locked and loaded. So, well, and I I don't want to take first here, uh, JB. Uh, I want to hear your thoughts on this. What what do you think it did bad? Oh man, I don't know how to how to put this into words. Um, basically everything that you two were just discussing, I think, is what it does bad, and. It, and it's not that it doesn't approach the the topic in a respectful and real and genuine genuine manner it's yeah. it's that it made me uncomfortable and that might be a positive for like the title of the game which we'll get to in a little bit but i don't it, every time that i would enter the real world and things would start to get real or i would enter the white space and i had to deal with these demons yeah. it was just I wanted to close the game. I was like, I like the earthbound part. I like the escapism. I like all that. And I think that's the point because that's, they're trying to make you feel that way because that's the game, right? The whole game is Amori in the escapism of this fake world and and finding solace and finding comfort there. But at the same time, it made me not want to play the game at certain points. And that's just, to me, Unless you're going in, I I went in blind. I had no idea what this game was about, and that threw me through a loop. And I just, I I just wanted to stop playing. Well, and and can I say like I I think and you love or at least like or have played through fully uh, Earthbound JB right? That mm-hmm. is like one of your main games. Um, that game is not all sunshine and rainbows. That game has some a little bit of deep dark roots sure just under the surface though it's a lot more subtle am i right in that oh yeah for sure it's it doesn't transplant you into a whole different place where you have to face your (laughs) your own you know your very real demons yeah (laughs) yeah it doesn't do that but there are those undertones throughout i mean there's situations you find yourself in where if you really stop and think about it you're like this is a fucked up situation so Uh, can I? Can I'm I'm gonna take the alternate stance here, if you don't mind. I hated the childlike elements. I hated the parts that you loved because they just did not connect with me. I felt like I was playing. I'm gonna simplify this. I felt like I was playing a baby game sometimes. I hated the contrast. It did not work for me. It was maybe supposed to be juxtaposition where you go from super like childlike wonder to just dark depressing real stuff Mm -hmm. and the flip did not work for me exactly 
I, I just couldn't feel it. But the thing that I disliked most was the happy-go-lucky side. I actually preferred the dark elements, and that's where I wanted to spend my time. Interesting. Yeah. That's really interesting. Okay, I'm going to take the middle road. So, in the beginning of the game, when things flip and things are suddenly yeah. very dissonant and very real and very spooky too for a little like sprite game when i in the beginning in the first several hours i was like fuck this is scary <laughs> mm-hmm. and um it was hard i i dreaded in the beginning i dreaded when amori would wake up i dreaded it because i was like fuck this game is gonna fucking scare me and i'm gonna have to deal with these really spooky scary things and i can't wait to get back and solve where space boyfriend's mixtape is like (laughs) um (laughs) that's probably one of my favorite quest lines dude yes the the, really the the space world the outer world or whatever it was the music was great the story was great the narrative pluto the character pluto was so fucking Mm -hmm. cool but anyway um i think this is an issue i'm gonna say it i think this is Mm -hmm. an issue of time because the later you go into Amori, the more those spaces blend and the more elements open up between the two. There's there's not so much of a stark contrast between the two because I'm going to spoil this a little bit, but it's not really that much of a spoiler. Yeah. Amori, Amori wears what it is on its sleeve. Just look at the two minute trailer at Amori. I think it's like AmoriGame.com. Like... You get the feel of what this game is in those two-minute video at their official website. And it, it does all this. It shows you all this. So, um, Amori has a very real supernatural element to it as well that bleeds into the real world through certain characters. So, all of a sudden, it's not just Amori hallucinating and being very scared and tormented and showing very stylized versions of his phobias. Eventually, you're like, fuck, maybe these are actually real and something's going on. Something more is going on with this kid. Maybe there's a reason why he can't remember things. Maybe there's a reason why these things follow him into the real world. Maybe he's dealing with something more than depression. And when it blended like that, I went from this dissonance is hard to deal with to, holy shit, it's all coming together. I can't wait to see how this unfolds. You get late enough into this game and you're hooked, man. There's there's a very real connect between the happy-go-lucky and the very bleak real. Well, and that I know about. And I think it is a purposeful decompartmentalization. It is basically he is keeping those things separate and it is a confrontation of the two colliding and no mm. longer being able to car- uh, carp- that word that I said earlier. Separate the two. Carp- <laughs> Somebody help me. Compartmentalize. Thank you. Compartmentalized. Compartmentalized. <laughs> yeah, I think this game leans heavily into metaphor, and I haven't played long enough to to you know be able to confirm nor deny it what does. you're saying. Um, but I, th- my thought is that on the surface it looks like oh there is something else going on, but maybe if if you look at how deep this game attempts to be and succeeds at being, I think it even goes deeper than that, and maybe. I mean, this is speaking from complete um, ignorance about the later parts of the game, but maybe it's a situation where it's like, no, these things are real to him and they need to make you feel that way because they're, the entire game is making you feel like Amori feels. 
Yeah. They're throwing you mm-hmm. through the emotional roller coaster that he's feeling. So to him, this is all real. I mean, to anybody with a serious mental illness, this is like a serious disease that they have. And it's it's just as serious yeah. as any any other disease, really. Yeah. It, it's well, it's a problem. And, and and I I want to state a few things, but then I want to get back on track because yes, it does personify it in a very good way, in a way that seems kind of realistic to to how it would be. It does poetically do it justice, um, and I think we could talk about that for a bit. Is there and maybe even Jake? Is there anything bad? Did you even did I get a bad from you about this game? Uh, me, I get the feeling you love it. I love the hell out of this game. It I is mean, it is one of. The best games I've played in a while, honestly. Um, I, I need you to trash it, though. Trash it in <laughs> one way for me. Um, I mean, I will say not every single line delivered in Amori is gold. Um, some of the lines delivered by some of the kids fall a little flat. The emotion falls mm-hmm. a little flat from supporting characters, things like that. Maybe a um, little creepy pasta in some areas. Well, yes, <laughs> but that falls yeah. into... I wouldn't say no because it doesn't like follow you into the real world and that there's a very there's a very real reason why it suddenly feels creepy pasta-y a little bit with the jump scares and things like that mm-hmm. and with certain characters behaving certain ways um there's a narrative reason for it it's not it's not supposed to take you into the real world it is it is a yeah. story it's a complete it's a real story you need to keep your uh, suspension of disbelief for it, uh, obviously. I mean, with a story like this. But, sure. Um, well, okay. Let's jump into that. What matters? So the uh, auguary of disturbing dissonance. <laughs> you got it. Kind of. You, you <laughs> Love <did>. these titles. <laughs> um, what matters about that? I guess we, we've hit a little on that, but what, uh, you know, what, how does this achieve that disturbing dissonance? Just by nature of the way the game is played and the fact mm-hmm. that they just roughly pluck you from this, you know, easygoing dream world into this weird white space, into this real world where things are crazy and you're home alone and doors are knocking and demons are coming for you. And and it, the the way it just like leapfrogs you between these different worlds is so jarring. Yeah. It's mm-hmm. dissonant. It, it, the game itself was it, it was almost as if some if if we went back in time um what was her name omacat looked yeah. at yeah. this title and this game or the title of this podcast for this episode and went i'm going to make a game that perfectly fits that theme yeah that's what this this became yeah, so you're saying it's purposeful oh it's, it's very purposeful like it tried and it's to dissonance. Achieve it it's dissonance is very purposeful but it is a very jarring and dissonant game I, I I will agree to that as well. Uh, it is a very strong contender for the title that we totally just made up. But like, <laughs> um, no for 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 the title of this uh, episode, it is very strong. Uh, I mean, it's the it's the whole nature of the game, man. Yeah, and again, I tried to preface this as I'm going to be objective because the dissonance was one of the things I didn't like. I didn't like that it went super childlike, and I didn't like. You know, uh, I didn't like chunky bits in my gravy. That didn't make any sense, but that's I the like metaphor. It. <laughs> uh, and so I wanted to stand back and say, I know tons of people that would love this because it does it well. Even if it's not for me, I know this achieves this title. So it does have a really good dissonance where you get to flip flop back and forth. 
So I'm going to promote it and say, I'll even go as far as saying, Franks, uh, even if this game loses, play this game. Oh, Unless absolutely. you're absolutely jaded. You don't <laughs> love story. You don't love memorable characters. And you just are a gameplay Call of Duty man, I don't care about people and things. I just want to be entertained kind of person. If you are, again, creative, like stories, like people, like anything like that, play this game. You got it. Yeah, any any person with a creative or artistic mind will find a lot to chew on. Or appreciate A lot of meat yeah. to chew on with this game, for sure. Got to chew that meat. All right, well, when the moon hits your eye <laughs> like a big piece of dissonant horror that's a mori that was a mori take it away cowboy our second contender in tonight's matchup is doki doki literature club developed by dan savato and his team well team savato as somewhat of a love slash hate letter to the visual novel genre and anime in general it was originally downloadable for free on itch.io and steam but it's now found its way to consoles through a paid plus version this is a trauma-inducing, schoolgirl-seducing, poetry-making, fourth-wall-breaking horror visual novel disguised as a dating sim. You'll play as the protagonist, the standard faceless, black-haired, medium-build cutout that all the anime girls obsess over despite having no discernible traits. In this game, you'll spend hours space-barring your way through the endless cheesy dialogue of needlessly stirred-up drama to finally arrive at the core steamy gameplay that you've been waiting for. That's right, writing poetry. You'll woo each girl by crafting your own eloquent, powerful poems through a series of random word selections, of course, and a bit of hand-waving, making sure you never actually see the end result. But trust us, it was deeply profound. After a few stretches of trying to mad-lib your way into their pants, all hell starts to break loose as you are slapped with enough grim and unsettling twists and meta-moments to make Shamalama Ding Dong's head spin off his fucking body. Is he still relevant? I don't know. Anyways, by the end of it, you won't even be worried about getting the girl anymore because in Soviet Russia, girl gets you. All right, my otakus, let's talk about Doki Doki Literature Club. Now, to set the stage for this one, for those who haven't heard of it, Doki Doki Literature Club is a visual novel. And visual novels are basically visual books. They're games you read and have very limited gameplay. Some have simple puzzles to play. Some have, like Doki Doki Literature Club, choosing words to create poems. Um, a lot of them in the field focus on cute girls doing cute things. A lot of them turn into anime dating sims. They're not all like that, but a lot of them are. And Doki Doki Literature Club, on its surface, is no different. But is it? Let's go ahead and start off with what's good about Doki Doki Literature Club. As far as like a visual novel style game, I, you know, I'm not the type of person that typically plays these, but I will say, I mean, I, I beat the game. I played it through. It's not a terribly long game. Um, it's an experience more than anything else. And I did mm -hmm. find some situations where I was looking at it and I'm like, oh, that's kind of cool how they're they're working this mechanic and how they're doing different things to break the fourth wall and how, how you interact with the game itself, um, both within and outside the game, um, in order to get through it. I thought that was very neat. And it's things that I wish games did more since the likes of, you know, metal gear and having 
you know, having to plug your controller into different slots, you know? So I think that oh, was yeah. very cool how they played with the mechanics within a visual novel and still made it feel somewhat coherent and um, an enjoyable experience from start to finish, I would say. I do like that too, man. Uh, there there aren't very many games that branch off into that. And it, it doesn't, mm-hmm. I mean, it wouldn't always make sense for some games to do it. Like... In Mario, you're not going to fucking mess with game files in Mario to unlock weird things or secrets or stuff like that. Um, there are other games that come to mind that do do that, which I think also kind of did it excellent, uh, excellently. And I think Doki Doki Literature Club kind of falls into that kind of category. Um, did you guys play Stanley Parable? Yeah, that yeah. came to mind as soon as you started talking about that. And I was yeah. like, yeah. Yeah, so Stan- the Stanley Parable is a perfect example of, well, things to expect when you play Doki Doki Literature Club. Um, breaking the fourth wall in a very artful way is, I mean, if you do it right, it's it's really fascinating when a game does yeah. that. Clever and creative uses and ways. Hey, c- can I jump in with my good stuff? I am a faithful spouse for meta moments. No, I'm a slut for meta moments. I, I fucking. <laughs> I was to say what? There's only one and done, baby. <laughs> I didn't. I, I, I didn't want to say it that way, but I'm gonna have to because it didn't make sense the other way. You're a meta uh, moment fuckboy. Yeah, I'm a meta moment fuckboy. I love that <laughs> shit. I love anything that is self-aware that messes outside the box, and this game does it in spades. It is campy in certain ways, but there are movies that you'll love that's fucking campy and self-aware and does it right. And this game does it right it doesn't do everything right but it does what you need it to do right and i loved it and there was a lot of really intelligent insightful uh things in it and i'm gonna say also just like amori it handled some of these more uh sensitive topics and approaches in a very respectful and genuine way some of the i mean in a weird way it humanized fake uh, girls, girls that yeah. are not human, girls that are generally in dating things depicted. I mean, you have the option to date these women. They are prizes to be won through gameplay. But this, you know, some of them were talking about real shit. Like, I got my own shit that doesn't involve you winning me as a prize at the end of the day. And I love that. I absolutely love that part of it. There's a lot of good. Jake, sorry. I feel I feel like I took your thunder. No, not at all. I mean, man, you're just sharing your experience with it. You didn't didn't steal anything from me, dude. So, okay, I'm going to go off on a bit of a a tangent here. I'm actually going to share with you guys my very personal experience with Doki Doki Literature Club. Now, this is going to be spoilers. Spoilers, we've already announced it over and over and over and over. Spoilers. I'm going to talk about more elements of this game than, say, somebody who's like, and, don't say that, would go into. And real, real quick, if you haven't, so I knew about this game before I played it. If you know nothing about this game, you really might want to skip these spoilers. If you already kind of know true. about this game, this might be fine to listen. That is true. I will say that I knew what Doki Doki Literature Club really was before I played it. Okay. I knew that the twists and turns, like the kinds, like like what this game really is. I knew it going into it, but I still had a very intense experience with this. So when we started playing these games, uh, it was around the anniversary of my dad's death. And 
I was feeling it, man. I, I didn't feel great around the time that we played these. And yeah. what both of these games do before you get to play anything, which sets the stage so you know what you're getting into before you get into it, they set the stage saying these games have very real and serious depictions of things like suicide, self-harm, things like that. And they warn you, hey, if you're not in a good headspace right now, if you're dealing with some heavy shit, if you don't feel good about yourself right now, like things like that, don't fucking play these games. They say it right on the coverage. So you know going into it, oh, so these games are going to contain some heavy elements, some heavy elements. You know that going in. And I knew that going in. And I mean, I've played some pretty intense games before, and it's still a game. There's still that real separation. Right. But um, when I started playing it, um, I got into the visual novel uh, aspect of it. And I love reading. I have a very vivid imagination. When I read, I can see what's happening. I think a lot of people are like that. Some people aren't. But when I read, I'm into it, man. I, I visualize every word. I can see it. The I'm scenes into are it. playing out. Yeah. I live in that world when I read. And when I play the games, too, they're, they I use games and reading and stuff as, as very real uh, methods of like escapism or things like that. Mm -hmm. um, I get into it, and for the first like hour and a half of this game, it's a very traditional visual novel about anime girls in school. And you play the faceless protagonist, and you join a literature club. Because your childhood friend, Sayori, that's how you pronounce her name, right? Sayori? Yeah. Wants you to join the club with her. And then your faceless protagonist is like, oh my God, there's four girls here and they're all pretty in their own way. And I could get to know them. Whoopity, whoopity, whoop. And you start just going through all this like melodrama of getting to know each girl and then being cutely catty. And then you get challenged with the task of writing a poem. And uh-oh. You can tailor these poems to which anime hottie that you want to court. And um, depending on that, you get extra scenes with them, things like that. It's all playing off visual sim. Wow, I'm going to get to date one of these girls. I'm going to get the connection with one of these girls. And the game progresses through that. You have very, um, I would say, intense high schoolish moments with the girls that are intimate, things like that. And I was, while I was playing through these, I was like, wow. These feel like some things that I felt in high school before. These interactions, just like knees touching each other, things like that. I'm like, wow, that's that was for me in high school. That was an intense thing that happened. Very relatable. And then it dives uh, deeper into uh, certain narrative aspects. So as you go in and as you go in and finally you get a girl, you have an interaction with them at your house and it's intimate, but it's, it's not, it's not sexual. Like there's, there's no like sex involved with these, with these girls. The game never goes that far. It's um, like preteen tension. Yes. It's like, it's like, yeah, yeah. I liked it. I like that. Yeah. Um, but towards the very end, oh, curveball, your childhood friend suffers from depression and mm -hmm. Immediately, like, oh, I've spent the last hour and a half, and the visual novels really develop characters and really get you to know. Like, there's more interaction in a visual novel, like, in a couple hours than it could be in some AAA games for the entire game sometimes. It's all about that. It's nothing but that. So I spent an hour and a half with this girl, and I'm like, oh, oh, she's very sad. But the way they 
depicted how she feels about depression was so fucking real. Yeah. Also, here it comes. I'm not feeling great. I'm dealing with all these emotions and things like that around this time. I'm moody. I'm cranky. I'm sad. I also have a history of depression. So I'm like, whoa, the way they presented this girl, the way they presented her depression and how she feels about things was depression. It was real yeah. depression. It wasn't, I'm sad. It's holy shit. Everything. They hit the marks 100%. I'm like, oh, fuck. Am I suddenly caring about this girl with depression? And here comes the big spoilers. I, I have to hit on this one. Um, so they go through this very intense situation where your character becomes a little more human and you start talking to this girl and you can go through the things like, I care about you. I'm your friend. I'll always be there for you. And she's like, yeah, but that doesn't make me feel good. Yada, yada. You have these intense moments of these exchanges. I love you. I don't feel this way. Like... I I, yeah, I it, want I want to die. And and then you sign it off like, hey, I'll see you tomorrow. Please. You drilled it in. I care about you. And I want to say it felt like your character said all the right things. Yeah. One of the things I noticed is he said uh, the character said all the right things. So he wasn't faceless protagonist. He did everything he could do at that moment. Yeah, absolutely. And it wasn't. Yeah, it wasn't ham fisted. Nope. These moments that Doki Doki Literature Club um provided at least in my experience i mean the people who made this game fucking know what it is to be yeah. human and know the darkest corners of how it feels to be it definitely human came sometimes. from somewhere it came from somewhere mm -hmm. and then i'm totally invested at this point i'm like fuck this has been so personal for me so far i've had so many experiences i can relate one-to-one -to, -one to i'm like fuck this is heavy and then the next day you see your friend and she's killed herself. And it's not just you go, oh, oh, geez, oh, no, my friend is dead. The way it's presented is horrifying. The way the game blasts the scene with you and the game starts to glitch and the sound is so fucking jarring. And your friend, you, actually you, the version of you in the game has a fucking panic attack about all the things they did wrong and what they could have done right to do this, do this, do this, do this, do this. And at first I was like, fuck, that was such a really cool twist. This game is so fucking spooky. Wow, how cool. And then an hour later after that, it set in. And I was like, oh, fuck, I don't feel good anymore. I don't feel good playing this game anymore. I literally, in the real world, don't feel good playing this game anymore. So much so that we actually delayed this episode. Yeah. Um, but then the game starts doing even more deeper, very, very fucking deep and psychological things and starts breaking the fourth wall and me in my personal experience this game has already made me feel bad and now the game is breaking the fourth wall and connecting with me even more i fucking almost had a panic attack playing this game by the time and i won't actually even ruin the rest of it because there are very real fourth wall breaking things with this game and it does start talking to you eventually like you and by the end of this game, I played it all the way through for the sake of this podcast. I don't know if I uh, regret playing this game or not because it made me feel so fucking bad by the end of it. It was the most effective piece of psychological horror that I've ever experienced in my entire life. It felt like it was tailored towards me. And I know that's not everybody's experience and I don't expect it to be. But for me, 
This game fucked me up more than anything else, any other piece of media I've ever felt in my fucking life. And I'll get off my soapbox. Like, I'll get off my soapbox now. This was very intense for me. So, JB, what did you think it did good? All right, dude. <laughs> no. <laughs> no, JB already, already did J- mine. JB already said what he did good. So It's just comic relief. Um, <laughs> sorry to, sorry no, to but, take it there. I had to share that. I've never had this experience before with a game. And this game's only like four hours long. But, it's, I mean, it's it's not something you should avoid talking about because anybody who plays this might have that experience, you true. know? It's, it's for me, I, I want... I recognize it's a bit like Amori. I recognized all the elements. It, it didn't affect me as much, but I I could tell. And I think I might just be a bit more desensitized, and I'm a little less volatile in my reactions. Um, but I could tell a lot of this felt very genuine. And for a lot of people who can get invested in characters that are fictional and into those kind of things, people who have a lot of empathy can really get knocked out by this game knocked down by this like you know Mm -hmm. by what it does yeah no i I appreciate you sharing that i think i think it's important to like talk about that stuff and i don't i don't like to avoid things that everybody knows that was one of the things with the game uh things that everybody knows yeah you know but nobody nobody really talks about so um i don't know jb did you feel any of that i i know i definitely did i i i i i kind of went through the same thing on a minimal scale are you were you completely unaffected by this yeah i was completely unaffected <laughs> that's insane to me um no to, i get it man i get it like yeah. when we think about the type of games that we all play and we didn't choose our roles for this game for like the things that we focus on for our trophies and things like that we didn't we didn't choose those willy-nilly it's yeah it's kind of it exemplifies the kind of gamer that we are the kind of games that we like to play, like the 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 shit that we like to see in these games, or even our psychology. Yeah, in, in, in a certain aspect, yeah. So, I I honestly understand and actually would kind of expected, uh, UJB not to like this game too much. I didn't think this game was gonna be in your wheelhouse. Yeah, and it wasn't that I hated the game or even that I disliked it. I just I finished it and I just felt nothing. Mm-hmm. I, I, I don't know how to explain it. It was like I was done with it. And kind of like what you said when you said, um, I'm not sure if I regret playing this game or not. I feel the exact same way. Uh, I'm like, I don't know that I would play it again. But I don't know that if I had a time machine, I would go back and not play it. You know what I mean? Like, well, can I ask one question? How much did you know about this game? Did you go into it blind? Um, mostly blind. The only thing I knew was from, you know, random uh, Twitch thumbnails. I never, or not Twitch, but YouTube thumbnails. I never actually watched any videos, but I knew that there was some extra stuff to it, but I didn't know yeah. what that entailed. Okay. There there was a few moments in this game where I remember, and I guess my reaction was more to what the programmer and the developer did to cause these effects. There were moments where and I don't often get tangibly excited, like you can't see it in me. But I was playing this alone. I was like, no, shit, no, shit. Look what this guy's doing. Look what he, look at this crazy element he just put into the game. There's a lot of wow moments in this game. There's a lot of wow moments. And they hit me. Normally, I am a just resting bitch face gamer. I'm like, oh, that was hilarious. Click, click, click. (laughs) I mean it, but I don't viscerally react. And for this, a lot of those things I did, I think they did in a very cool way. Um. So that was some of the stuff I loved about it. I love I love kind of the design of this and the way 
God, I don't want to spoil too much, but yeah, even I tried. I had to talk about some stuff, and I think I I, I did spoil some. I didn't spoil yeah. everything. <laughs> there's there's still plenty that this game will deliver that I didn't personally talk about. And and this Jimmy runs deep, so deep. There's so much lore and back end stuff that you can find. This uh, and this may not. We're we're, we're going to bleed into some of the bad here, but I want to for a moment. This has some uh, augmented reality, I guess you could say. Yes. Or there's another term for it, but you can go to websites that can be found in QR codes on the game. There, this this thing is deep. It's it's got all the symbolism, all the uh, hidden elements, all the extra nuggets that are so delicious, and especially in the plus version with all the extra stuff you get. So if you like that, if you like like hidden artifact games, Easter eggs and stuff, this is great for that too. Hmm. I um. I think I. Uh, we threw this around before when we were talking about this game. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club is like a really good creepy pasta come to life. Oh yeah. Also, because there's a few like cool video game creepy pastas out there, and not video game related, but if you want to experience that, this delivers, in my opinion. Well, it, can we transition to the bad so I yeah. can harp on that? Um, yes, I think in a lot of ways it did that good. But then also, I have to admit, at certain times, I'm like, this is just creepypasta. This is not actually scary. This is just like crazy person with a knife scary. Like, ooh, you know, it's uh, it, 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 wasn't tan- it wasn't real scary to me. It wasn't actual. I just was acknowledging, oh, hey, this is a scary part. So one of my gripes was it was creepypasta through and through to me. I liked it, but it was. I get that. I get that. There were some elements that, that yeah, I absolutely. Well, uh, what was bad about it for you, Jake? Man, uh, aside from how it made me feel? <laughs> like <laughs> That was profound, but ultimately bad, yeah. <laughs> um, no, I, so I respect what it did to me. I respect that. I don't like the way it made me feel, but I respect that it did as a piece of art. I applaud it um, mm-hmm. in that regard for my experience because art is subjective. Art is about the experience of the observer. And for me, it was very profound. But um, man, like what this game did do bad. So it was originally delivered to surprise people with those extra elements. So mm-hmm. for like an hour and a half of the game, I it was just a regular dating sim, which is not something that I would traditionally like. So well, right. people people who aren't into that style of game will probably be turned off by it. Like well, I think it, this, I think the core audience of this game was supposed to be a ha got you to people who are already into anime girl uh, visual novels. A little bit, and I, I think one thing that could be said is like the gameplay. How is the gameplay non-existent? Do, yeah, dog shit. No, <laughs> it's a it's a story. It's a it's a it's an interactive story. Yeah, and, and nothing against that, but if you were to strip that away, if you were to take the gameplay, strip away everything else in it, you would have a gameplay that consists of choosing random words, which only affect the story. It's not fun. You could literally every once just, in a while. <laughs> every once in a while. Yeah, but that, I mean, that's the gameplay. Well, yeah. the other option is the space bar to get through the dialogue. Once you're done right. with the space bar, you can maybe do a bit of choose your own adventure by clicking stuff. 
but ultimately the gameplay is click these random words and construct a poem that you will never see. You will never see it, yeah. That is not gameplay. This is not a game. This is an experience. It's an experience. Yeah. So I think we we kind of said, um, oh, help me. That really awesome game from episode two. Cloud, yeah. cloud, cloud, cloud Cloudpunk. runner? Cloud Punk. Thank you. Cloud Punk. Not to knock it. I just couldn't remember the name. Go play that game, by the way. Uh, cloud mm-hmm. Punk itself, gameplay was almost non-existent aside from driving your car around. It was an experience. And this is this is another example of an experience more than a game. JB, you hated it the most. We haven't heard from you too much. Yeah, man. Do you have... Dig in. What can you say? Dig into it. Man, <laughs> I don't I don't Get know. It. I feel nothing about this game. I I don't That's even a bad. know. That's a bad, yeah. That's a bad. It's just it no no feelings, no emotion, no lasting impact on me. It was like a you know It was a hard miss. It didn't hit, it didn't miss, it just disappeared into the ether. <laughs> I it was like a puff of smoke and and then it's gone. Um I don't know. I think the gameplay for sure. I think that's my biggest gripe. It wasn't a game. Um, right. Yep. And honestly, they probably should have taken out the gameplay elements themselves and just did a full visual novel because choosing the words, there were too many to choose from and there was no point. I mean, you could just like click the first one the entire time and you'd well, still... There was because there's multiple endings and um, sure the different the different words are tied to the different girls. So people who wanted to play that dating sim would be like, I want I like this girl. I'm going to choose these words and make her right. little chibi but, character jump. I'm going to have some interaction with that baby. Like, And I did that I, first because I was like, yeah. oh, yeah, I'm going to choose the best friend because she's the best friend. And that's what you do. I mean, I married my best friend. So. Uh, that was kind of my my whole plan. And then I chose all these things and I'm like, I still even afterwards didn't know whether or not I did it right. Like, I, I wasn't sure. Yeah. It ended up, I'm pretty sure, based on what I looked at after the fact um, at random websites that I did get the, the best friend ending. Um, I did go back and I replayed it again to see what the difference was if you did a different ending. And it turns mm-hmm. out the ending is the same. It's really just uh, the cut scene in the middle. You get it's act one. It's act one is different because act one acts like a traditional yeah. visual novel. Yeah. And to me, it was like, you know, uh, plug in a variable. Like to me, it didn't. I get that. Yeah. It had no weight. Yeah. No weight no. to me. It was the gameplay was not play at all. It was only to serve the story. It was it provided no fun in and of itself. Mm-hmm. And they could have done something a little different. They didn't have to do it like that. They could have made it fun in the slightest. But there is zero fun to be had from just okay. They think this word matches this girl. Maybe this word matches. I didn't experience fun at all during this game at any point. I experienced other things that were profound and useful and valuable, but I did not experience fun at all at this game. No, there's this... Fun is not <laughs> fun a word not I would this. use to describe this game, but that's not always a bad thing. Like, not all not all horror movies are fun, you know? <laughs> <laughs> well, real quick, just because JB said something, uh, just for fun and maybe comic relief again... Who's y'all's girls? Who who you shipping with the who you shipping, Jake? Oh, who do who who do we choose? So JB said like? his Sayori, uh Yuri. I chose Yuri as well. Because I felt like she was She looked the most adult to me. <laughs> okay. That's is why. that all it's about, Jake? Looks it is. Was it Yuri is. the really smart one? Yeah. <laughs> the, when they yeah. look like Dark children. Yes. When I went back and did it again, that's who I chose. 
I chose I chose Yuri right away because I was like, I like this girl. She's a bit of like an outcast recluse. She seems like there's more to her. She seems yeah. intelligent. And I think they hit like the four archetypes, you know, with all yes. three of them. Um, and then Monica, uh, who's the cheerleader, the popular girl and right. other things, you know, play it and figure out the girls for yourself. But yeah, Yuri was mine, dude. And I, yeah, I was... Uh, I had a crush. Jonesing for the Yuri. Yeah, I didn't no, have I get a crush it. They, on any of them. They are <laughs> cute. They are cute anime girls drawn cutely. And uh, Yuri's Yuri's personality was it was very interesting. It, it was a character mm-hmm. that was written to say, "Please get to know me." And it, that in itself is enticing. Right. Like, a- oh, opposed- this girl wants to be known. Let's get to know her. Well, to me, as opposed to Natsuki, like, okay, the brat. No, she was a she was a child. She why was would a legit I like child. The, why would I like the brat? Why would I? No. I, I mean, I get some people like that uh, Sundare or whatever. You know, they like the. I they they like a bit of fight. I guess I don't know why anybody would choose her. And then like, Sayori was if you like, like catching girls given. with a net. <laughs> <laughs> and then They're Sayori like was like. Sayori was the given. It was like the well, we're gonna. It's a rom com, so we're ending up together. But right. Yuri. Was the mystery. And then Monica was the cheerleader. I'm not in. No, I'm not choosing the cheerleader. Because I know I can have her because it's a dating sim. And I'm like, mm, fuck that. I'm going after this one. The hard to get. The 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 intellectual choice. So my 200% in, the beginning, IQ. in the beginning, it did lend itself to an enticing dating visual novel. It did present itself yeah. that way. Yeah. Okay. So let, let's round this off. Uh, what matters? Disturbing dissonance. Uh, why will this game win this title? Um, I say because the very core of this is a disturbingly dissonant experience. Uh, it's not like Amori in that there are purposeful uh, gameplay and narrative decisions that jump back and forth between you know the dissonance. It was it was purposeful. It was to tell you know like a coherent story, things like that, a story that you wanted to keep moving, things like that. Uh, Doki Doki Literature Club is the very definition of dissonance. It very much pretends to be one thing and is, in fact, something completely, horribly different. So mm-hmm. I, I think, I man, I would put this game next to the definition. I, I would agree in the sense that uh, visual novels and dating sims are so entrenched in their own format and style and cliches and all that to see that just, you know, injected with with a, just the polar opposite. Yeah. I mean, I think that's very dissonant. And I think it's a it's a genre that hasn't what's the term have the piss taken out of it enough. It yeah. hasn't been scrutinized enough, you know, yeah. for all its flaws in the genres itself. So, yeah. I agree totally. Yeah, I think the um, the biggest thing that matters in comparison with Amori is Amori takes you to completely different locations and different worlds and different headspaces. Mm-hmm. Um, and the, the transition or the travel is really what is um, that dissonance. That's what causes that. But mm-hmm. Amori, it does it, or not Amori, um, Doki. Doki Doki, it does it within the same realm, within the same game, within the same environment, which I think does or should add to the discombobulation that you're feeling because you're like, I understand this world, I understand the people in it, and then, oh, what's this? Yeah, the dissonance happens in your mind. Mm -hmm. I would have to say, maybe that's 
you know, a little pretentious, but still. <laughs> All right. So that was Doki Doki Literature Club, a fun and lighthearted uh, visual dating sim where you get to woo your beautiful high school sweetheart. And that's it. There's nothing else about it. <laughs> or is there? <laughs> well, now we know what's good, what's bad, and what matters about each game. Hello, fellas. Sorry for interrupting or whatever. Anyway, we need to talk. Whoa. Hey, Terry. No, sorry, dude. We're in the middle of recording. Uh, we can't help with the committee right now, man. Oh, you're not getting off that easily. I've been waiting for this moment for weeks. I haven't stopped thinking about JB's poem since the intro, and I just can't get it out of my head. I need JB in this moment more than I've ever needed anything in my life. And I beg you, JB, to further bear your soul to me through your poetry so that I may meld with you and think with two hearts and two minds that become one. And then, and then, we can come up with the perfect selection for employee of the month. Oh, um, guys, help, help. Terry, you don't need anyone to tell you what to think. You... Who's done weeks of research preparing for this? Well, I have, of course. Mm -hmm. Yeah, and who knows possibly way too much about every employee in this office? Well, that would once again be me. See, it's you, Terry. You're the key. That's why you're the only one who's stuck with the committee. So there's definitely no need to peel my skin and wear it like a morph suit in an insane attempt to combine our souls or whatever. Yes, I... I suppose you're right. Whoever you choose, Terry, know that we'll support you 100% in your decision. Mm -hmm. Thank you, podcasters. I won't let you down. This has truly been an honor working with you today. Oh my god, okay. what the fuck? I... Oh. Alright, let's get these trophies and let's get the fuck out of here. <laughs> yes, please. Okay, I'm up first with today's art trophy. Both games in tonight's showdown exemplify the phrase, games as art. Doki Doki Literature Club is the most precise and effective piece of horror media I have personally experienced. It felt like it was designed to fuck with me personally, and I've never felt that before. It dives into the deepest recesses of the human condition, and it uses the worst parts of what our consciousness can torment us with to weave a tale about the dangers of depression, obsession, self-hatred even. The creator, Dan Salvato, has more of a grasp on the human condition than many AAA game writers in the industry have today. Amori is literally art come to life. How many artists have had the opportunity to visualize their years-long art project from blog to book to full-on video game? Amori is a medium that allows the creator, Omocap, to conceptualize the full story of her character. Visually, Amori combines simple sprite art with amazingly stylish hand-drawn portraits and environments, and it just works so well. Not to mention, the music and sound design hits top marks for me. This isn't even considering the surprisingly complex narrative about suicide, depression, and the supernatural, wrapped up in a purposefully colorful and juvenile backdrop. Today, I'm shorting my already mediocre Game Corp paycheck so I can afford to award the art trophy to both Doki Doki Literature Club and Amori for being brilliant examples of games as an art form. And I'm up next with a fun fact of trophy. What is fun? Baby, don't hurt me. Don't hurt me. No more. No more. 
<laughs> these games took completely different routes to arrive at that fun destination. You know, Amori is more of a straightforward Earthbound-esque RPG, whereas DDLC is a guided experience through the world built by the developer. Amori has this tried-and-true format that really allowed me to have a lot of fun with the exploration, the combat, the character progression, and the character interactions. As a visual novel, DDLC had almost none of that. I don't dislike reading, and I generally enjoyed the overall experience of DDLC. However, when I sit down to play a game, I expect more than clicking through dialogue and nearly non-existent interactivity. I know games like this have a huge following. I mean, hell, I've been playing Final Fantasy XIV almost daily on stream, twitch.tv forward slash head to head pod, <clears throat> but DDLC is no Final Fantasy XIV, and I have to give the fun factor trophy to Amori. All right, and rounding us out is the game design trophy. Uh, this is an interesting trophy, because whether it's the meta, file-altering, reality-bending mindfuck that is Doki Doki, or the trope-exploiting, content-loaded, creative choices of Amori, both games surpass their mediums by creating systems that go above and beyond what you'd even expect from them. Now, sure, they aren't perfect. I mean, one's a visual novel, the other's an RPG maker game, so need I say more? And the gameplay of both these genres aren't exactly exhilarating. However, both come out swinging from these small studios that have tons of passion, and it has to be applauded for the work and effort and creativity they put forth. But for today's battle, I have to award the game design trophy to one game, and that is Amori, for its handcrafted touches and attention to detail on every level, battle, character, and system. Those were the trophies for today's showdown, which show where each game excels, but now it is time to cast our vote for the final winner of the title Augury of Disturbing Dissonance, Amori versus Doki Doki Literature Club. With the first vote, Jake. My vote for this is, is totally Doki Doki Literature Club. It's so intensely and disturbingly dissident that I think it perfectly exemplifies today's title. JB? I think it's very personal um, what game we're going to choose here. And it's based off of what themes and what elements really ate at our souls, I guess. Yeah. So, And I'm just by default, I have to give it to Amori. And once again, I'm the tiebreaker. I don't know why I go last. But this is actually almost nearly painful for me to do because I know both these games, let's just say it now, uh, both these games deserve this title. And it's hard to pick between them. Yeah, I agree. And even though it was my less liked game, I will have to be objective and choose Amori for tonight's title. I think it had the best dissonance that I did not like, but I think it it showed the biggest difference between childlike wonder and just anguish, both that can happen around the same time for, you know, any child, anybody of that age. And I think it showed the the duality, the dissonance. So tonight's winner is Amori. Play the fucking music. Yay! Yay! <laughs> kind of. <laughs> Yay, we figured out the most depressing one of the two games that just trashed our souls. 
Well, there you have it. Another perfect podcast. Nothing's wrong here. Don't look in the toy box. <laughs> JB. And thank you all for sending us questions through our social media. Once again, you can find us on Twitter, Instagram, and you can check out our website at headtoheadpod.com or h2hpod.com for those of you who hate the letter E. As always, thanks to our patron saint, Metroid Mike, for the use of our theme song, I Can't Break, off of the album Heart of the Juggernaut. Go buy that album right now on Bandcamp. Search Metroid Mike, M-E-T-R-O-Y-D. M-Y-K. That's how you find him. He's got a newborn baby. Feed that baby, goddammit. Give him some money. He's so hungry. Give him the money. Give Metroid Mike the money. <laughs> and I want to give a big-ass thanks to you, Frank, thanks. the listener. Oh. What? Shut your mouth. Thank you guys for <laughs> always listening uh, to us three sad boys as we bear our souls and hearts and uh, bum you out. But hopefully you enjoyed it. These were two great games and us as well. We were a great podcast. So if you can, please rate, follow and subscribe. Catch us on Twitter, rate us on uh, Apple and uh, find us on Spotify and follow us. And I need you to do one more thing for me. Well, two, stay for the post credit sequence and get the fuck out of here. Good night, everybody. Good night. Good night. Or in morning. Oh. Thank you, boys, for coming to the unveiling. This truly is a momentous occasion, and I couldn't have done it without you. Yeah, uh, I'm glad we could help. Uh, but don't you want to wait for more people before we, you know, pull open that unnecessarily large curtain? The office can see you later. This moment is for the committee. I want to revel in this moment with you. Oh, I can't wait to see who it is. I'm so excited. Do, do you really care? I mean, these awards have no real benefit, and in fact, they usually just cause animosity between coworkers or uh, whatever. It's after five. I just, I, I just want to go home. All right, boys, are you ready? Yeah. yeah. I can't hear you. Yes. Behold the fruits of our labor, thinly engraved brass upon cheap, unstained mahogany, hung clumsily upon barren drywall. Tis truly euphoric. I will be riding this high for months. Thank you, gentlemen. Now I bid you adieu. Uh, yeah, later, Terry. Pretty cool, man. Congratulations to... What, you? Oh, cool. He totally voted for himself. All right. Are we getting overtime for this? No. Hey, guys, why is there only one plaque on this wall? Isn't this like a monthly thing? Well, yeah, it's supposed to be. I mean, maybe the rest are under the curtain. Ugh, well, now I'm curious. All right. I'm just going to take a quick peek. Oh, this one from last April has Terry on it, too, man. Wait, what? Hold on. Hey, this one from two months ago, it's got Terry on it too. And this one? Wait. They they all say Terry. Every last one. The entire wall is covered in them. What the hell is going on? Why would he do this? What did we do to deserve this? Yo, I, I've suddenly got a bad feeling about all of this. Yeah, let's get out of here before we end up on some true crime podcast. Just, just why? 
Why, Terry? Oh, I, come on, why? man. We, Terry, we gotta go. JB, Terry, why? Come on, JB, we gotta go, dude. Why, let's, Terry? Let's, why? Let's get the hell out of Terry. here, man. Let's, it'll be all right. Let's go. Why, Terry? Why come on. Do this? Come on. Silly podcasters, you really want to know why? It's simply for the art, 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 art.